Nick, when your mom sat you down as a teenager and gave you the talk, <laughs> did she warn you about catching a sexually transmitted ghost? <laughs> no, man. Was he a teenager? I don't know when age, Nick got the age, talk. What age was that talk, I wonder? Anyway. <laughs> Coming up, we find out why Nick actually likes a horror movie. Finally. Finally. <laughs> but does he still? <laughs> Mark, what are we watching this week? Movie Tales. I'll have what she's having. Hosted by Mark, Jeff, and Nick. Round up the usual suspect. Three lifelong friends who all dropped out of film school because they all figured out they loved watching movies more than making them. Are you not entertained? Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. These cinephiles review and reveal widely unknown factoids, lore, myths, trivia, and cultural impact of the movie. Mostly funny. I'm your huckleberry. Sometimes serious. I'm gonna make them an awfully gun with you. Definitely interesting insight into the best movies we only thought we knew. He's looking at you, kid. We are watching It Follows from 2014. And for those of you that need a quick refresher, I have a very quick and simple intro. A young woman is followed by an unknown supernatural force after a sexual encounter. Do, 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 do. Well, boys, how are you? Good. That, that was the synopsis? <laughs> yeah, it's a weak synopsis. For, for I mean, it, we, we can get into it. I, I had like a really lengthy one or a simple tagline one. I was like, eh... The real length synopsis was almost as long as the movie, so I was like, yeah, let's wait. I had another good intro for you, Mark. I was going to ask you if uh, there was any friends you weren't allowed to hang out with because that was where the suburbs ended and the city began. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That would have worked, too. But yeah, like uh, this movie, all the stuff they don't teach you in health class about the demons that follow, the demons both metaphorically and physically that can follow you with the wrong sexual encounter. Um, I think we should uh, just dip right into this uh, interesting film that we, we, we previewed. Nick, give me some moments in time. Uh, I sat in the theater twice in one week, and I freaking loved it. I remember thinking it just it felt like a flashback of the slasher films in the 80s. And I'll get into the timeline later on, but I really I thought it was so good that I dragged other friends. And the funny thing is, is that none of the friends liked it. It was I was pretty much all alone on an island on this one. Do you know but, why you liked it? I know the real reason. Finish your finish your thought, and then I'm going to tell you. I mean, anytime you go to the movies and it's unexpected and it just pays off, you feel like you found a tiny gem in the world that nobody knows about. So it it doubles the quality of it. But nobody else liked it. Yeah, I, nobody else liked it. But it was kind of an accident that we found it to begin with. This movie was not well advertised. It wasn't marketed hardly at all. Dude, not, not. I, I, I saw it on a, like a lamb or whatever. Like it was just like a, like 
I just wanted to see a horror movie when I saw it. I, not to step on your moment in time, but you're 100% yeah, right. I didn't 100% see a single, right, Nick. I didn't see it a was, single preview about it, and you're really like, wow, nobody else has heard of that one. It's kind of like discovering that indie band that nobody knows right? about yet. Yeah, I felt the same way, like because I literally had I not just really felt like going to the movies that night, and uh, I really I, I'm just going into mine now since I've started, but I wanted to go to the movies that night, and really it was like October I think, so I wanted like a horror movie, or I just like horror in general. So I was I just and my wife doesn't like it. Uh, we like horror movies, so it was a night I was kind of on my own, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna see a horror movie. I saw what was there, and I'm like. This, I saw that it had a good Rotten Tomato score. And to this yeah. day, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, wow. Time. Yeah. It just um, means more. It feels like a double win. And that's so, how it was. The reason I think you like this movie so well, Nick, and the reason I like it so well as well, I mean, I love horror, so it's a double for me, is this is actually a coming-of-age story dis- disguised as a horror film. Ooh. I really believe this is a coming-of-age story. And when we talk about what works, I'll get into why. But, uh, Mark, this is the first time you saw this, right? Yeah, it was. I had never seen this. Uh, and, I, and what's funny is I remember this movie since it came out. And because you told me to see it. You, I remember you calling me and saying, you're going to like this. It's a good scary movie. And just, you know, as life often does, it's still, I just it let it, you know, I let it pass me by. And I'm glad once again we do this. Because <laughs> here we are. And I got to watch a scary movie that I'd never seen. And it was a fun little adventure. That's kind of the beauty of uh, the three of us know each other. We, we know each other's movie tastes, and we've been watching movies together for like 20 years, you know? I still remember when you guys saw Frailty and how scared you were. You guys called me on the way home. That was like 20 fucking years ago. Yeah. Oh, man, that movie. <laughs> I, uh, what a great film. we got to do that sometime. Yeah. But I mean, that's, those are the kind of memories, like you just yes. said, you, re- yeah. you remember you only heard about this from Jeff. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have three no, or yes. four guys on speed dial, ago. and you guys are at the top. When I see something I think one of you will like, I always try to call and let you know. Uh, I, uh, I mean, like, And I treasure when I get a call from you guys. I almost always try to make an effort to see because I know that, like you said, we know each other's tastes. So Yeah. And we don't get that as often now. There's not as many movies being released, so it's, it's, the dynamic has kind of changed. To okay, guess what I'm rewatching. We're right? all so busy. It's I not a lot of time these days for me to run, to wander into a theater and say what random horror film is showing. Makes me kind of oh, sad, but and um, that makes me sad too. Uh, but uh, I did, I remember those days when we could discover a rare gem like this. Uh, getting right into it, Mark. What worked for you? Um. I guess first and foremost the concept worked, and in, in particular I really liked how the people would change within the situation. I thought that was cool. Uh, it was just kind of a different angle. It really reminded me of the Entity. When I don't know if either of you guys ever saw that movie, uh, but it's about you know there's a scene in particular. You know it's like an '80s horror film, and there's a scene. He listed it as a major. The director listed it that as a major influence, though. Yeah, film, so. I, I remember. There's a very, I remember. There's a real memorable scene just because it was, uh, you know, controversial for the time. There's this woman who gets raped in the shower by a ghost in the entity, and you don't see it. And just this movie, just it felt like in that same world. And I mean, I'm pretty um, sure. What's his name? Uh, the first boy the girl sleeps with. The second boy she sleeps with after she passed to pass it along. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he got raped by his yeah. by somebody by his, and his mom figure. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, that's what I mean. Yeah, 
So I just really, I, I was talking with Jeff off pot about this. I really like how halfway, once you figure out the, the, like the shtick of the movie, it makes the opening make sense because the first time you see the beginning, the opening scene, you're just kind of like, what in the hell just happened? Why'd this girl run out of her house? And then her dad is like, what are you doing? And it's because, like, you know, obviously he had no clue because he couldn't see what she could see and yada yada. And it works because you realize this, like, halfway through watching the movie. So then you're just thinking back about the opening scene where you just see that girl and, like, her leg just, like, split open, like, on the beach. And it was just good. It, it was it, it worked really well as a first-time watch. And then we put this off for a week or so, so then I watched it again. And, yeah, it's got a few issues, but they're forgivable because some this genre is forgivable in these type of situations. So... Uh, but true. I also love the music. It, it was very John Carpenter-ish, but I, I know the... the who also, was, another who, big who, influence the director was uh, paying homage to was... Yeah. Uh, and you see a John lot Carpenter. of the Michael... Yeah, you see a lot of the Michael yeah. Myers in the way the, the yeah. it walks kind of at them. But yeah. I was going to say, what really works for me... Um, and like I was saying it before, is I really see this movie. This this is this is a movie about growing up, and in a lot of ways, letting go of like childish things. Uh, so, <clears throat> through several times in the film, they're asked, "Should we tell mom or should we ask mom?" And mom's there, but mom's never really there. And <clears throat> these kids, they're in college, and they're kind of in that point of the life, their life, where they still do kind of teenagey things. You see him getting like frozen yogurt. You see her in the beginning of the film, she's getting in an outdoor pool. That's something more of a kid does than like uh, kind of an, a kind of an adult. Um, and <clears throat> I really feel like it's a film about that kind of time in your life, uh, 19 to 21, when you still kind of feel like a kid but you also start to realize you're an adult and you start to face prob and you uh, you start to have those moments of realization that you're that you you're going to have to solve you? and you're going to have to solve these things for yourself. And I that our character kind of realizes that in the film. Um, she realizes she can't tell the police. She realizes that she can't tell her mom and her and her friends kind of have to face this and figure it out and i really think this is a coming of age movie more so that your, par your parents there must can't have save been you anymore. a lot of things that kept you up past midnight this week, I have a <laughs> there's there's a lot but, of ponderates no, i can get on board with this basically that you're on your own now your parents can't save you anymore that kind of thing right? right and it's and it also kind of that awakening of there is real danger in the world like she kind of has sex and that's often a metaphor for you know, passing through to adulthood. And the minute she has it, she's all of a sudden in this world where she has to face it herself. And there's even that awareness at the end of the film when they read that poem. And that poem's really about kind of accepting the fact that one day we're all gonna die. Um, it's realer for these kids because now they have a fucking ghost chasing them everywhere. Uh, but it's kind of that real, <clears throat> it's kind of that realization that at any time something can happen and you might die. And it's just, I really think it is kind of that awakening into adulthood 
where shit shit gets kind of real. Um, so the director, David Robert Mitchell, he wrote and directed this, and it'd be interesting to hear his take on this because I mean his concept came from a recurring dream he had as a, uh, yeah when he was younger and I hope he, it was, I mean I, this was a nightmare, I hope it's not a as, dream. But. I hope it's as deep as I'm saying, and he doesn't just see himself as Paul. And he didn't. He didn't uh, construct this whole thing to find a way to sleep with the girl that would. I mean, to I'm be sure the hero and sleep with the girl this. that he never was able to <laughs> sleep with. I mean, I'm pretty sure this idea. This idea gave him the idea to do a scary movie, and I mean, it might have evolved into. Right. That, but I mean, he had a nightmare, a recurring nightmare of a of predator that continually him. walked towards him. That was like he's like, I'm going to make a scary movie about this. I have another interesting note on that, Mark. That is a very common dream for people to have. Um, I've, I'm, I'm a weirdo, and sometimes I research strange things, and I'm always fascinated with dreams. And being dreams of being chased are most commonly happen during changing events in people's lives. Often when going to college, leaving home the first time, or like before moving to like a new city or something. So that coming kind of, of age. Look at that. Going back to so, your coming of age theory. This is like we're coming full circle here. You've really done a deep dive on you know, this this scary movie <laughs> that slept through the cracks. I'm impressed, Jeffrey. Nico, what worked for you? I like the setting being in Detroit. I love how it's fall too. Eight mile, you know, baby. Eight mile. I, I yeah. Keep going. It, Sorry. It's almost like a character in the movie, really, when it's in the fall. Like we don't know where it is. That's that's one of the things, right? That's the theme. Is like. Yeah, we don't direct... know where it is. We don't know the time. We don't right. know the time period. They kind of make that all intentional too. They've got futuristic candles, but they've also got cars from the nineteen seventies. They don't really you know, have phones, it... but yeah, <laughs> they're they're one, wearing... one of my ponderings was, when the fuck does this thing take place? Right. There was a. That was done intentionally, obviously, by the oh, director. Yeah, Just, with the whole TV still have rabbit too. ears. And, yeah, right. But makeup, but makeup things have t- our tablets connected to the internet. So. Right. Keep going. I thought that I thought that was great. That worked tremendously, and just throwing you off. And if you can throw an audience off, then you can throw out the window what they think they know about these movies, and and that worked really well. But also the Detroit setting. I mean, we don't know what season it is. Obviously, she's getting in the pool. But then also later they were in coats pretty much in every scene, so you don't know. And I love that mix-up. I think it worked really, really well. Um, it it kind of had a cheesy 80 slashers feel for me. I don't know if it's the music or the uh, Halloween the music. Tribu- yeah, tribute that you talked about. but like The music is so over the top. You either, you either love it or you're annoyed by it. Oh, I kind of yeah. liked it. I no, I love it, it personally. I, I love, love it, it too. It worked. It worked. I love just, it. But but there's a lot of people that could be annoyed by it. I have to because it's really over the top. I have to plus one with on you, Nick, too, on the uh, setting. One of my one of my notes I wrote down was this movie gets the suburbs. Yeah, I feel like I like that. I feel like most movies that they either they kind of a lot of movies or horror movies especially they'll do like a small town or the big city. But this movie takes place in the American wasteland that is the suburbs. And both me and you grew up in, I think Mark did too, actually, yep. uh, grew up in the suburbs. And it's kind of that where everything looks the same. Oh, yeah. But everything, I, it just felt, they, it felt it like this movie It reminded me of Risky Business, too. It reminded me of the Risky yes. Business suburbs. 
Yes. Especially because this movie like tries to hide their time period with the, the look of it, or not, right. or at least doesn't show its poker there, hand. There's by definitely something us. to it too. What you said about the suburbs, the suburbs, but it, it just were. It reminded me of like Night of the Living Dead too. It, yep. Where, you know, they're living in this cookie cutter place, but then strange things are happening, and it just it really adds to it. And I don't know why. I, I don't have a theory well, on that, but I I actually really related to like what that girl said. My parents said I can. There were. Growing up, like, once I could drive, there were all these, like, streets and places I was not allowed to go because it was unsafe. But it was so weird. But it would be, like, one block over was okay. And I never got that growing up as a kid. Like, it felt very weird. Um, only thing I knew is the houses didn't look as nice once you went over there. And yeah. It, like... But that's, I'm, I'm guessing we were all raised similarly and had our parents tell us similar things to what they were, those kids were yeah. told in this movie. And maybe yeah. it just reminds us more of our childhood, so that's why we get more scared by it, you know? Hey, Jeff, do you know if he loves Stephen King as well? I'm not sure, but I see a lot of Stephen King. I mean, because they've got a really good it vibe with the whole fight back, you know, oh. we're going to fight back. Uh, the mentality. whole the whole it thing I I actually thought and this, it all, and this and came they, out before it so they titled well, it before the it before the, you know, movies yeah. they titled it it follows I was actually I actually felt like he was almost playing with some uh, potential uh, lawsuits or something like it almost I mean it's an original idea so it's fine but like it it the entity very much felt like it if it, if it were summoned through uh, uh, intercourse um, for sure. But sure. the other one more thing that really worked, and then Nick, I'll get back to you if there's if there's anything. No, 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 finish it up. Um, the other thing that worked for me was what's the number one rule in horror boys? Don't Less have sex. More. Less is more. Oh, <laughs> don't have sex. Barely see. That's true too, though. That does follow the rules of horror. But no, we talk about in film in general. We talk about how much scarier it is when, and this movie really does take a minimalist approach to its monster. And I think that that works very well. I even say Mace or more, more so than the kind of the It remake where a lot of It's, I mean, I like those movies fine, but they're a little bit over the top. When, oh yeah, the second one's not scary at all. The second one's laughable. Agreed. Anywho. Perfect. Favorite scenes. Favorite scenes. What do you got, Nick? My favorite scene is the two things. The lake house I love. Because up until that point... It was really starting to drag on for me. Like, what happens when they, they're following you? We know they can kill you, but we hadn't seen that kid get killed by his mother yet. So, like, what happens? What does it look like when they actually catch you? And we got to see her on the beach when all of a sudden her hair just goes up. I'm like, oh, okay, they're like, they're out to like. Yeah, that was you. creepy. The hair, the hair was a creepy moment. It was a good moment. Yeah, and what does it look like to everybody else? So what does it look like? What happens when they catch you? I think we very much needed to see that. It was very real. It was probably the scariest point in the film and it's, it's my absolute favorite but i also do love the scene where they're at the movies in the beginning because we just are starting to gather how weird things are when she's on the date and he's like you see that girl right and then she doesn't see him and then their tone totally changes from this fun romantic vibe until something completely creepy so I, those those work so well it's those tiny moments that add to the big picture and i, I don't think this movie is the same without either I would agree with all those statements. Mark, favorite scene? My favorite scene is probably the swimming pool scene. 
Uh, I just love the I love the fight back scene. I love that we're gonna put up a fight now that we. I mean, we got to try to figure this out. We got to try to solve this thing. The old electrocute a ghost plan. Yeah, <laughs> but then I love how the ghost flips it and starts throwing the shit I, back. I thought the that water. was great. Like and, whenever you, and that's just a great film trope too. Like you see the setup and you're like, oh, this is totally gonna go badly for them. Ah, uh, like it was going, intentionally Michael. bad too. Yeah, and, oh, of course, for sure. Like, I mean, you knew it was all going to go down. And then I also like the swing set scene. It just, that's where it, that's where I got the real, that's where I really got the sense of the it vibe of, you know, we're going to come was together. Chasing her and she we're going to come together. Just, she decides she would just sit there and wait for it to come back. Yeah, and then her friends show up <laughs> finally, and then she sees that her friends don't think she's necessarily crazy and are willing to, like, help her solve this shit show she's dealing with. That's true. So I kind of like that moment. Yeah, too. very it, was, it like too. You're yeah, right. That's, yeah, it that's was what I meant. A cool so. movie in its own way about friendship, because those like lifetime friends kind of sticking together, and um, like it's if you noticed, all of the close friends end up surviving the movie. The one that doesn't is the kind of the outsider, the cool kid, uh, what have you. Right. Um, <laughs> and um, Greg, right? Isn't that his name? Right. Yeah. The one that gets killed by his mom, right? Well, did. not by his mom, but <laughs> he gets killed and then gets killed by the entity. Uh, my favorite scene was actually the one on the beach. I don't think I need to um, belabor it or the the lake house. Yeah, the um, lake house. Uh, let's go on to favorite quotes. Mark, what do you I got? I don't really have any, but next quote I had was. I kind of mentioned it earlier, but the whole when I was a little girl, my parents would not allow me to go south of eight mile. And I did not even know what that meant until I got a little older. And I started realizing that that was where the city started and the suburbs ended. And I used to think about how shitty and weird that was. I mean, I had to ask permission to go to the state fair with my best friend and her parents only because it was a few blocks past the border. Um, felt very suburbs to me. That's why yeah, I liked it. I like that, actually. I do. I'm with you on that. No, that's a fair statement. I remember my parents always like freaking out when you know we. You were over when there was in, when I was you a senior were... year. When I was a yep. senior in high school. Wait, you got to drive where? Where are you guys going? Whoa, that's twenty. That's thirty minutes away. Are you sure? <laughs> no, I... My parents would try to give me. They tried to give me like directions to like go around, like the path, like to like. It was, and I get it. I mean, our parents were smart people, and they don't uh, want us running into sex demons. Yeah. Exactly. Um, They're trying to protect us from the sex demons. Yeah. I had, um, I really like it could look like someone you know, or it could be a stranger in the crowd, whatever helps to get close to you. And obviously, there's a payoff to that at the end that we'll get to, but. Yeah. Uh, what didn't work? Bell! 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 I didn't think the rewatch worked. For some reason, like like a good a good horror movie only gets only gets you only gets you once unless it's great. That's how I f- realized that this is this was just barely. This a is good no Exorcist, movie. is what you're saying. Yeah, basically, this is no Exorcist. <laughs> On the second one, you're just like, yeah, I'm kind of over lot. this. You forgive a lot in this movie. I put down lots of lots of plot holes and icebox logic. <laughs> I don't, I'm not. I think the, I think the potholes are forgiving because we have to give credit that the characters are actually smart people. Like, why didn't they do? I don't like the logic of why didn't they do this or why didn't they do that. Let's just assume that there are protagonists thought of everything. I you just know? want to know why the main guy, 
when he first got it. And he says it was a one night stand that he barely remembers. How the fuck did he know that this thing kills him if he doesn't have sex with somebody else? I, th- I think he did, but the person after him kept getting killed, so it kept coming back to him. All right. All right. It would have worked for me if he would have just said, she told me, and then we moved along. But he's like, I barely remember her. I feel like you're always going to remember the girl that gave you uh, sexual sexual demon haunting. Yeah. <laughs> those, are the, the one, those are the ones you remember. <laughs> I, You know, this is a side note. I really think he gave Jay justice. Like, he... Obviously, it's a very scary scene when he put the rag over her face, but I think he did everything he could to prepare her, probably more than he got. No, and that's the interesting thing. You see how, yeah, you see at first he feels like a monster, and then you kind of realize, no, he's doing, if he doesn't, if he doesn't, like, tie her up the way he does, like, she's not going to make it. That scene's a really weird scene the first time you see it. Yes. So there's one thing that really didn't work for me. I mean, it's kind of a nitpick, but the guy, like you said, Jeff, he put in a long con, Hugh, to make this, you know, transfer this entity over to uh, this girl, right? And then instantly, but within moments, the the entity is now following Jay at all times. So the... you you mentioned the movie theater scene where all of a sudden he freaks out because the girl shows up, but we barely ever see a scene with Jay and the entity not being there. So that was just kind of an issue with me, but it doesn't matter. Apparently, it takes a <laughs> it's while. It's there to make places, the movie though, work, but because I st- I'm not sure how when she wrecks her car at the lake, the ambulance gets there in time to before the ghost gets to her. I guess she yeah. drove far enough. Also, she stays at that hospital. Also, when she sleeps with uh, that other guy, it takes a long time to get to his house. Yeah. Like, they're kind of in the same place for, unless that ambulance is that far away. So it's unclear if sometimes this thing takes breaks. It's true. It is unclear. And I mean, we don't really have a rule book for why it's slow, but I'm cool with it. I always hated that the T-1000 could run so fast. I actually think it worked how well, how like, that the thing was so slow. It made it kind of a cool, like, it's going to get to you, but, like, it gave... Because sometimes in these movies, the monster or the superhero whatever is, like, so powerful, you just kind of roll your eyes and you're like, this, like, how dumb is this? How is this, like, how are they escaped? This thing is very escapable. But, yeah, but I kind of like that too. As long as you're in a place where there's another exit, though. Yeah, don't ever go into a place that you gotta follow by the rules. She almost so, fucked that up with the it, damn shed. And how did how did he learn the rules? I mean, the person that the, the, he got the entity from, they tell him all these rules. How Apparently, did he, he forgot her. I still have problem with his story about unless he's just making that up. Somebody had to explain that to him, or it doesn't make. If you don't get those rules explained to you, there's no way you live through this. Yeah, exactly. And how do you sleep? Because how would... Okay, if this even if you realized that that thing was unsafe, how would you realize the thing chasing you is only going to stop if you sleep with somebody? <laughs> uh, career Corner, we don't have much. This is this one director's main movie. But I know, Jeff, you made a... You found your own detective work on a cinematographer that you wanted to make mention to. So who is this person? Yeah. Um, I'm going to call him Matt G. Because... 
I am not going to try to pronounce and butcher that last name. Uh, it would be comedy for everybody, but it wouldn't be fair to Matt G because I think he does a fantastic job in this film. Um, it he's also um, this film got him discovered by M Night Shyamalan, and he does Split as well as Glass, the sequel to Split Ooh. and um, Unbreakable. Un, Unbreakable. Uh, as well, and a number of other films. But he, so we might hear a lot of Mike G's name in the future, and I thought he was worth mentioning. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, for the pod. Shout out, that's... Mike G. Good job, Mike G. Woo-woo. All I got. Interesting. A metal uh, podium. Metals. Um, I want to go first. Okay, Can go I? for it. Sure. Mr. All right. I'm excited to get Mostly. I am. I am. Interesting metal pod this week, boys. Not a single actor in this film got a medal. Really? I gave one. I gave one for I'm, sure. I'm going bronze to disaster piece, which is why I wanted to go first. I wanted to be able to say disaster piece. Uh, he is the composer, and he, I guess he goes by disaster piece at the beginning of this pod. You guys can vouch for me. I sent you his Wikipedia. That no, is that's his... great. You crushed it because I have the same. I have. I'm so glad you told me his name because I have the same bronze medal as well. Um, uh, silver goes to my man Mike G. I think the cinematography in this film is fantastic. Um, is his last name really just G? <laughs> no, I told you. I don't want to butcher it. Well, you're giving him a medal. You should have learned his last name. Um, gold goes to the director, uh, because he directed it, he wrote it, it's a cool movie, it's a cool concept, gotta give him credit. Uh, my first pod, not a single actor getting a medal, though, and, uh, you it stand is what by it, is. it huh? I stand by it. Nick, what do you got? I'm gonna go a little bit of the opposite direction of you. I, <laughs> I'm gonna give Paul a medal, he's going bronze. Yeah, Kyle Gilk. And I'm going to give the silver to Jay. I, I thought she carried this movie quite well for an unknown actress. And She's good. Mike resources. Yeah. She almost, got, she almost got a medal for me. It was nothing against her. Yeah. Um, I'm, and I'm glad she got one from you. I mean, if, if, the, if the lead actor in a film doesn't work, nothing works. And, and I think given the, the little resources, I saw this movie made $14 million at the box office. I, thought, I was shocked by that, but... The fact that it's on the pod means that it, it had a long life to it. So, like I said, it, it succeeded. It pulled off what it intended to. But obviously the director, uh, David Robert Mitchell, is getting the gold. I mean, he wrote this. He directed it. He hasn't done a movie since, and I'm okay with that. You know, sometimes you only get one good shot, and he made the most of his. Anyways, um, my honorable mention went to Paul as well, Mr. Gilcrease. So I'm glad you gave him, gave him a shout-out, too. And my bronze also was the same as Jeff's. I went to Disaster Piece for his music yes. contributions. Disaster and, Piece. And then my silver went to Micah Monroe, who played Jay. I thought she was really good. And she is good. Has she acted in anything since? No, but she's. Hopefully, she gets her Rachel McAdams moment coming soon here because nobody really saw it follows by comparison. And what I mean by that. She's coming, I think she's got the lead female role in like an upcoming Nicholas Sparks movie coming out. Nice. I'm a little sad I didn't give her a medal because I I do think she was worthy. Rachel McAdams from The Notebook. That's where I was going with that in case you didn't make that connection, everybody. 
But um, and my gold went to also David Robert Mitchell, the director. So we all had the same gold medal. Uh, yeah, this was his concept, his movie. He he wrote it, he directed it, so he deserves the gold medal. This movie wouldn't be around if it wasn't for him at all. So kudos to him. It's late, gentlemen. It is, and it's time for those midnight ponderings. Jeff, you got some ponderings? Yeah, um, I got one. Nick, it takes an estimated six months to walk across the U.S. Why do none of these characters ever just hop on a plane? But they've got entities in every city. I mean, can't the entity just get on the plane with them and they don't know it? Well, I mean, you want to like it. I mean, it seems like it has to walk everywhere. Yeah, it does. Seem I, that. It does seem that way. I, it might be able to walk on the plane, but if you drive to an airport far enough away and you, you cut it close enough, you get there, you do the hour and you uh, I'm just saying. We got to credit our characters with being smart protagonists. And I think that in order for this to work, we have to give them credit that they did go through every why doesn't hugh give her give jay her clothes back and why does he put her bra and panties back on? i guess the bra never came off but why does he put her panties back on but none of the other clothes well he ties her up in the chair i'm with you on that here's my pondering with hugh why are we just okay with hugh doing what he did after they track him down like oh, and they, like he has that like oh, yeah. well, meeting with him sitting outside. Well, like you said, like Nick said though, she might have realized that she did him a solid because if he just sat her down and said, "Hey, guess what?" She probably just says, "You're a crazy person," and he had to. He not only told her about it, he physically showed her because he knew unless she saw it, she wouldn't believe. Yeah, but I don't know. So, but but and, the, and he I pulled don't... a violent act to get it done. He could have just dropped her off at her house and be like, "See you tomorrow, honey," and then disappeared. You know. But it's Ow. it's hard for me to believe that her sister would just be okay with it more than her. Like she's still in shock, mm-hmm. I think. But right, I, right. I feel like her sister wants to kill Hugh, right? And he, she's just like supposed to be okay with it at that point. But yeah, um, I've I've got. Go ahead. Go, did she or did she not have sex with the three guys on the boat when she disappeared? And why didn't it work? Well, I think they're all dead. Okay. I always took that as I always took it because she kind of has her and I could be wrong on this but when she's driving home like I see remorse on her face and even once the same said you've done it before when he can convi- um, Paul when he convinces her to sleep with him finally but he wasn't um, talking about those two guys in the boat he was talking about the other the long hair right. guy. but he might have been he, she might have been talking about them though she seemed to be remorseful when driving back from the boat and I wonder if it's because I wonder if it's because she knows that she just ended their life uh, I don't think so I think it has to be genuine sex. What did we miss? Get me out of this section. (laughs) We we talked about earlier that the characters' names allude to classic horror films. I thought that was super cool. The color red foreshadows the monster's arrival, as in most horror films. I noticed it a few times when I was checking out key scenes afterwards. They stayed within the tradition of that. I loved it. Um, I'm surprised this didn't get ruined already, as you guys often give a lot of this category away before we actually get to it, but the assumed showdown at the end of the pool during the climax is actually uh, Jay and Kelly's dad. And we know this because Kelly asks her, what do you see? And Jay says, I don't want to tell you. Which means that it's something familiar that she would recognize. And also... When a lot of the scenes where she's looking in the mirror, you can see that same guy with the white beater in a lot of those uh, photos. 
So it's basically their dad. I, when I read that, I was like, holy shit, how did I miss that? But it's, well, it was, am I wrong? It was their dead father, right? Because their like, dead dad's father. never around. Right. Right. So that was kind of the climax that I missed the first three times I saw this movie. But it makes So the me... creepy old man is actually like their dead dad? Yeah. Did you miss that? Who was like decaying. Like maybe that's why he's creepy. Yeah. He's... Yeah. The, the pool showdown is their dead dad. Interesting. And it goes with our, our coming of age because they're having to face their um, their childhood drama of losing their father. You're really forcing this coming of age story. Like. <laughs> but yeah, that is absolutely true. I don't know if I was prepared for that after only one viewing. I feel unprepared this week. Anyways. But the whole theme of unsupervised children, too, is, is, is on the other side. Their mom is always depicted um, not in a full screen. So they make her mysterious. Her face is observed with shadows. There's blur. She's probably an alcoholic. That's what we're left to assume. Um, the last scene is that Mitchell uh, gave an interview years later, and he said people were asking him if you had homosexual sex, would, would that transfer? And, and none of it had anything to do. You were not safe from this. Sex is sex, and it, it, uh, it transfers no matter what. I thought that was interesting, too. Because everybody wants to pull the, like, well, why didn't you do this? Or what if this happens? Right. And at some point, we just got to go with it. I agree. Thank you, Nick. You solved all my pon- all our ponderings. That's it. Final thoughts, Jeff? Ah, uh, it's a good film. Uh, first time you see it, and if you don't uh, watch it and try to pick it apart too closely, uh, but I I enjoy it, and I think it. I actually it, it's one of my favorite things about poor, and one of the reasons I like the horror genre is horror is never really about scary monsters. It's always about something deeper and what's going on with the character. And it's often a metaphor for something about society. And that's why I love the horror genre. No, I like that a lot. I like it a lot. I'll say in ending, I love when you find these little jams. I remember when the pandemic first hit, the three of us discovered The Babysitter on Netflix, which is very kind of similar to this in my mind. And it's just kind of a nice treat when you get it. Cause it's, I always say horror is a horrible genre. I'm the opposite of Jeff. But when it is done right, it's done so well right. And I, I would, on the original first screening, I would put that in this category of done so well right. I can't wait till the next one stumbles upon us. And, and it's remembered six years later, and we can definitely dissect it. And I, If I don't hate horror, I love it. And this is one of those that, that made it through. So I can't Sweet. wait. Sweet. Uh, well, you know, I, one could argue that maybe I would never want to rewatch this again after hearing how your rewatches went and I didn't get to do a rewatch yet, but, uh, that's not the case. And, uh, I enjoyed this movie and I look forward to watching it again with, um, the coming of age stuff in mind because Jeff was very passionate about that and I... I like coming-of-age stories like we all do. And on behalf of Jeff, Nick, and myself, thanks for listening to another edition of Movie Tales. We'll see you again soon, everybody. Take care.